You're listening to Simply the Best Sports Take, the best podcast breaking down the best stuff in sports with host Sean Bingham. His takes are so good, he dropped the mic, but then you wouldn't be able to hear him, and that would suck. Welcome into STB Sports Takes, some of the best sports podcasts. I am your host, Sean Bingham. Thank you for being here. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. I know I sure did. Went down to Escalante, uh, Escalante, however, you're, however you want to pronounce it. It's kind of like southeastern Utah, Red Rocks, Slot Canyons. We went rappelling, hiking, tons of fun. Um, hope you guys had a good time with your weekend. Please hit that subscribe button. We are on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor Podcasts. Everywhere you get your podcasts, we are there. Whatever platform you're listening or watching on, please subscribe. I love seeing the numbers go up. Really appreciate your support. Please send this on. Okay, diving in now. I take off tomorrow for Panama, so this will be my last podcast for several days again, probably a week. Um, I'm being consistent getting these out once a week. You guys are being consistent at listening and watching, and I appreciate it. So diving in, we got to talk BYU football. We got to talk Utah football. We got to talk Utah Jazz basketball. We got to talk NBA in general, NFL in general. We've got a lot to cover, okay? First off, uh, the BYU um, did not play this last week uh, on Saturday, just a couple days ago. Utah did. They got a mediocre win. Um, it was pretty, really not a great game for the Utes. Uh, they win by nine against Arizona, who's very below average team. But it's a Power 5 conference win. It's an in-conference win for the Utes to get them further up, you know, in the Pac-12 South there. Um, The Utes sneak into the AP poll and the coaches poll. BYU um, stays put at like 14-15 in the AP and coaches respectively. We'll find out uh, the other polls, you know, shortly. But uh, the college football playoff, that is. But um, it's kind of interesting how the college football playoff committee really dictates what happens. But they do it after the AP and the coaches poll do theirs. And then you, the next week, you watch the AP and the coaches poll just shuffle everything around to make it look like they were really close to what the playoff committee said. Because they know that ultimately their polls are becoming meaningless. I mean, the AP poll and the coaches poll are, are pretty meaningless. Um, and so they just they just work hard to make it look like, oh yeah, well, ours is the same too. So we're still determining, we are still determining the playoffs. We are still determining the bowl games. We are still determining who's number one. But it's like, no, you're not at all. And we can see that your polls are very different uh, than than the playoff committees are. And then you scramble to make yours look like they were the same. So very comical for me to watch. Um, I don't think the uh, the rankings have come out yet. They do that show now. They're trying to tie it into halftime of basketball games to force us to watch. So I think it comes out tomorrow. Um, yeah, still not out. But again, the Utes sneak in. They're 24th in the AP poll. Um, and I don't know if they made the coaches poll. They did the 25th. So yeah, they're 24th in AP, 25th in the coaches. BYU is 14th in the AP, 15th in the coaches. I suspect you'll see BYU stay put right there um, in the playoff one. They just they didn't play. They can't be that penalized. Auburn lost. Other other teams lost ahead of them. Um, Texas A&M lost, dropped to seven and three. Uh, so there's other things that happened that I think can help BYU. One thing I got to say is. UTSA, okay, they are so small and so insignificant. I think it's Texas San Antonio. Pretty sure it's University of Texas San Antonio. They're 10 and 0, now ranked 15th in the uh, AP poll and 18th in the coaches poll. And that is just a joke. People are looking at this and they're like, UTSA, they're doing the same thing I am. I think that's Texas San Antonio. I didn't know they were an FBS Division I school. I mean, half the teams they've played, they're in Conference USA. And they're the Roadrunners. 
I bet you none of you knew their mascot name. I know I didn't. I had to click on it to see right now. The Roadrunners. So they've played zero ranked teams. Not it's their 10 and 0, so they haven't even played a ranked team yet. Um, they've played Lamar. They've played uh, Western Kentucky, Rice, Louisiana Tech, Southern uh, Southern Mississippi, UTEP, UNLV, Memphis. Not sure what that one is. MTSU. Um, I actually don't know what that what school that is for sure. Um, and then Illinois. So that's their entire schedule. I mean, come on. These guys are going to be ranked. I understand ranking them top 25 because they're 10-0. and 0, But you're going to rank them 15th or what are they? 15th, 18th respectively in the AP and, and coaches polls. Those should be, they should be down at like 24th, you know, 25th. Like, hey, we're going to. Give you the nod at 10-0 to, to make the top 25, but you've played nobody that we've ever heard of. We've never heard of you, so we can't possibly rank you top 15. That's kind of a joke. I wish they wouldn't do that. Um, Baylor got a big win. They beat Oklahoma. So Baylor beats Oklahoma this last week. That's a huge win for the Cougars. Um, the, better the, excuse me, the better that Utah looks and the better that Baylor looks, the better it is for BYU because Baylor was one of BYU's only losses. And Utah is proving to be the best win on BYU's schedule. Arizona State's out of the top 25. Um, Utah State's sneaking up in there potentially. We could see that um, kind of mix things up. But BYU only has two games left, and one of them is against Georgia Southern, which is not going to do us any good. Uh, we can go out and BYU can win by 40 points and just stay put right where they're at. That's the best-case scenario, unless a bunch of teams ahead of BYU lose. Um and that's kind of what they're hoping for. To get into a near six game at this point, I hate to say it, but I think it's going to take some real stars aligning just perfectly for the Cougars to get into a near six bowl. There's just too many teams ahead of them. You know, you're looking at the rankings. You got Wake Forest, Oklahoma, um, obviously Baylor, Ole Miss, Oklahoma State, Michigan, Michigan State, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Oregon, Cincinnati, Alabama, Georgia. There's just so many teams. You got to get two or three of those I think to lose to drop down below BYU to have it be like hey you know what national audience with the Cougars um 10 and 2 obviously we got to win out you know 10 and 2 uh we finish uh, on the road at USC there's things that can happen that where it's still possible I'm just feeling like it's probably you know I would give it like a 20% chance of happening at this point uh, which isn't horrible it's not a horrible chance um Utah has a big game this week uh, against uh, Oregon, and that could determine a New Year's Six outcome pretty solidly, to be honest with you, because I don't think you're going to see Oregon and Utah get in to New Year's Six games unless Utah wins this one. And then, gosh, either way, it's like even if Utah wins this one but then loses, they have to play each other twice. And if Utah beats them both times, I think that's the only way they get into your near six game is to be the Pac-12 champ. Um, and the only way that, and, and I don't think Oregon would get in if they lost two more games. I don't think they'd be a New Year's six contender. And if Utah loses even one more, I don't think you'll see them as a New Year's six contender with four losses. And so you're really only going to see one of those teams get in, Oregon or Utah. Obviously, Oregon is the favorite. Um but big game uh, this weekend uh, against against Utah. Um, I'm looking up right now to see what the spread is on that game because I don't know yet. I don't know if they've said it yet. But Oregon is obviously going to be favored. I don't see the spread here on my screen. So they might not have set the line. Oh, they did. 
They're actually saying Utah is favored by three in the pick center on, on ESPN. That is very interesting. So they're saying Utes minus three. That's interesting. That's very interesting. We'll see what happens there. So if the, the Pac-12 could kind of cannibalize itself a little bit. You see this happen all the time in college sports, college football in particular. If the Pac-12, you know, if Utah beats Oregon in this game, um, and, I mean, it, it just kind of confirms that only one team from the Pac-12 is going to go to a big game. Whereas in other conferences, there's kind of two dominant teams. But Utah's already lost three games. If they go and beat Oregon... Twice, I don't think Oregon gets in, but Utah will. If they split, if Oregon uh, just loses one more and it's to Utah, whether it be you know this weekend or in the Pac-12 championship, I think they still get in with two losses to a, a New Year's Six game. And then, of course, Utah would get in if they're the, uh, the Pac-12 champ. So um, that's the only way to get two Pac-12 teams in. I don't see it happening, but I'd give that even a less than 10% chance. But you never know. You never know. I just don't see a four-loss Utah getting in, and I don't see Oregon losing to Utah twice in the next few weeks. I just I, I think Oregon wins at least one of those, if not both. So we will see. Keep your eye on that. Um, that's all I have about college football. So I want to move on, uh, kind of sticking with college football a teeny bit, but moving into the NFL. Something I talked about last week was Taysom Hill and Zach Wilson kind of blowing these opportunities, not blowing these opportunities, missing out on opportunities, right? Injuries plaguing them a little bit um, to where other backups got the nod when you know, when, uh, well, I guess in Taysom's place, in Taysom's situation, uh, Trevor Simeon gets the nod when uh, freaking, what's his name? Uh, Jameis Winston, thank you. When Jameis Winston goes down, unfortunately, Taysom was kind of hurt. So Trevor Simeon gets the nod, and Taysom has kind of been a non-factor still. I don't know if he's still a little bit banged up. He's played a few snaps here and there, but nothing significant. Uh, the Saints did lose yesterday. Then the Jets, of course, um, Mike White comes in has the game of his life, the game of anyone's life in his first start. Didn't look so great the next time, and yesterday it was bad, bad. Four picks. He he goes on record saying that he thinks he should have been the number one overall pick. He's so confident in himself. This was just on Thursday. He's saying how confident he was in himself and blah, blah, blah. Yesterday has a horrendous game, four interceptions, um, no touchdowns. Jets, of course, lose. So Zach Wilson's job is secure. I mean, it's secure. It was anyway. They drafted him too high. They paid him too much money. He's too young. They're not certainly not going to give up on him yet. But Mike White throwing four picks and zero touchdowns shows that that first game was not necessarily a fluke, but like it's not exactly sustainable either. So I think Zach Wilson's job is secure. We just need to get him healthy again. It is tough, though, to watch as Mac Jones with the Patriots is just lighting it up. They have a winning record now. They're like 6-5 and five, or what are they, 6-4. and four. They're six and four. Mac Jones has won six games. He's going to make the playoffs as a rookie. And guess what? It's not thanks to him. It's thanks to fantastic coaching and fantastic defense in New England. Those two things are allowing Mac Jones to throw for less than 200 yards regularly and win. And I said this from the very beginning. I had Spencer Linton on the podcast. I said it again then. If you are a true Zach Wilson fan, you should not want him to go to the Jets. They're a losing franchise. They will chew you up and spit you out, and they're doing it to Zach Wilson. They're just a losing franchise. That's what they do. They lose. And so it's just a tall, tall order to turn that around, and that's what he's up against. Meanwhile, in New England, the guy who was picked 12, what was it, 12, 13 spots below Zach Wilson, 
has won six games. And sure, he doesn't get to brag that he was the number two overall, overall pick. And his contract was a little smaller, his rookie contract. But guess what? He's winning games, and now he's going to get a second contract because he's going to be a starter in the league for years to come. Mark my words, Zach Wilson, excuse me, Mac Jones is here to stay as an NFL starter for years to come, barring injury. And Zach Wilson, we still don't know. We still don't know. Look at Sam Darnold. He went to Carolina, was significantly better. He, of course, started to struggle a little bit, and then he gets hurt, season-ending injury. Cam, uh, and then they go and get Cam Newton. Uh, back. So Cam Newton is back with Carolina. Very interesting there because he's going to go play my Washington football team, which is where Ron Rivera is now, who was his coach in Carolina when he won his MVP, went to the Super Bowl. Very exciting game on Sunday. But I'm telling you, Mac Jones is here to stay and the verdict is still out on Zach Wilson. The verdict is still out on Justin Fields. The verdict is still out on, I'd say Trevor Lawrence is here to stay as well. Um, He's shown more signs of greatness than than the others, I think. But, I mean, you just, it's just, it's crazy how much coaching matters, how much organization matters. Mac Jones is here to stay, I guarantee it. And his coaching situation is just that much better. It just is. Um, Okay, moving on. Oh, by the way, in fantasy, I'm probably going to lose this week. All of my top guys got injured. I don't know if you guys play fantasy, but literally my number one overall pick or my number one, my first round draft pick was Alvin Kamara, hurt this week. My second round pick was Nick Chubb, got freaking COVID. So stupid. He's out this week. My My third round pick was DeAndre Hopkins, hurt hamstring, out this week. Down the list it goes. I also have Gronk. Um, he was like my seventh rounder or something. But he was out this week and has been for like five weeks straight. Just getting blasted. I still have a chance on Monday Night Football, so I've been kind of following that as I chat here just to see what's going on. Um, because the Monday Night game is live, and it's actually 21-7 to for the Niners, which is good because the guy I'm playing has uh, the Rams defense, which is interesting because they just got Von Miller, and they've already given up 21 points in the first half. Very interesting. So... Okay, Um, moving on to the NBA. Uh, Season's getting going. We're like, oh, we're like 12, 13 games into the season now. Kind of exciting. Jazz looking pretty good. They've lost a few, um, you know, of their last, I think they lost four or five or something. It's not been good lately, but I still think the Jazz run deep. In fact, one of my good friends asked me the other day, hey, who do you really think is the favorite in the NBA? And I thought, I I said to him, I said, honestly, if, if you would have asked me a few weeks ago, I would have said the Nets for sure. But two things happened to the Nets. One, they changed a lot of the rules to get, eliminate you know, the, the whistle foul baiting, the flopping. And that's really affected James Harden. James Harden is not the same player he was uh, last season or the last several seasons because a lot of his tricks that I hated, they just don't work anymore. And I love it. And I, I'm actually, I've actually become a James Harden fan. I've liked watching his game evolve and I've liked watching him humble himself and be very okay being number two to Kevin Durant and even number three to Kyrie Irving. But his game is not the same anymore. He's got a huge adjustment coming. And then on top of that, Kyrie Irving can't play. And it doesn't look like he will be playing anytime soon. So their third best player is gone. Their second best player isn't nearly as effective. And so I just don't know. And they're not the deepest team. They do have LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin and Joe Harris. They do have a good team. But I said on this podcast Long before even last season, when they got Kyrie Irving two years ago, I said, I think they'd be better off, especially when they went and got James Harden, though. They'd be better off getting rid of Kyrie Irving, 
keeping a Spencer Dinwiddie or a Karis Levert, keeping one of those two, and adding that to the James Harden-Kevin Durant duo, that would have been a more potent and a better fit offensively for the Nets. And, I mean, that was the most true thing ever. We're seeing it right now in Los Angeles where someone like Russell Westbrook just isn't a good fit. Fit matters. That's why I love Klay Thompson so much. And speaking of Klay Thompson, he's not even back yet, and the Warriors are dominating, absolutely dominating. Steph dropped 50 and 10 the other night. He's the oldest player in the history of the NBA to do that. He surpassed Ray Allen uh, for the most career three-pointers with regular season and playoffs combined. He's the all-time leader in playoff threes. He's second in uh, regular season threes, but when you combine the two, he's got the most all-time, and he'll pass... He will pass Ray Allen uh, this year for most all-time in regular season as well. And he did all of this in 585 fewer games than Ray Allen. Let that sink in. I mean, Steph's, that's going to be another 2,000. If he plays the same number of games as Ray Allen did, that'll be another like 2,000 three-pointers. 2,000. That's how far out in front he's going to be from the previous first-place guy. It's a record that we might not ever see broken in our lifetime, similar to a John Stockton uh, assist record. It's it's so far out there that I don't know if anybody will be able to catch up. The game is evolving though. You're seeing guys like Trey Young and other players evolve where they're shooting threes. The three is everything now. So it could, but likely not in our lifetime. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But um, so yeah, he's still 75 shy of Ray Allen for the uh, the all time record for the regular season. But I mean, what's that, that's 20 games for Steph? It's not that big of a deal. So he'll get it this year for sure. Um, big win yesterday, back to the NFL, just mentioning quickly my favorite team, Washington football team. They beat the Tampa Bay Bucks, beat the Tampa Bay Bucks. And then I, I, you know what? I got a little jumbled in my brain there. I saw this note about Washington that I had skipped. So I wanted to go to it. Um, so real quick, they win. I'm stoked. Chase Young got hurt though, out for the season with ACL injury, but isn't, which is a total bummer. He's defensive rookie of the year last year, had not played great this year. Um, the defense in general hadn't. So Maybe good to hit the reset button. Hate to see a guy get injured, especially a franchise guy like that. Um, but isn't it interesting that Taylor Heineke has gone up against Tom Brady and the Bucks twice, once in the playoffs last year and once just yesterday. Yesterday he beat him by 10, and in the playoffs he, he, he gave him the best run for his money. Taylor Heineke gave Tom Brady the best run for his money of anybody in those playoffs last year. That was the hardest game the Bucs had in the playoffs last year. It was against the Washington football team, and they beat him yesterday. So that is a very interesting thing. Um, love seeing that. The Washington football team has so much promise. If the defense could just play this year like it did last year, Washington would have a reverse record, and they'd be first in the NFC East, and they'd be a legit contender to make like an NFC championship game. But instead, their defense is just nowhere to be found, giving up points left and right, and as a result, they're – you know, losing record, they will not make the playoffs, and it's kind of a kind of a joke. But um, okay, so getting back to the NBA thing, the, the the with the Jazz, what I was getting at is, as I got sidetracked by my note about the Washington football team, the Nets just the Nets were my favorites. They were my favorites, but you lose Kyrie Irving, and Harden's not as effective. Now they're watching Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert excel at other places, and it's just like they should have done what I said they should have done, which is. Get rid of Kyrie Irving when they could have and keep someone who's a better fit because I don't know if they can, they definitely can win it all, but I don't know if I put them as the favorite anymore. I don't think that I do. I think there's too many teams 
like the Bucks, even though they have a losing record, the Jazz, the Suns, who are just deeper teams. They're deeper, they're more cohesive teams. The Warriors, the Warriors are playing out of their minds. I don't know what got into them. They don't have Klay Thompson. They don't have James Wiseman. And they're still just going bonkers. They're like 11-2 and two or something. Still just going crazy. And two of their four best players aren't playing. Their second best player in Klay Thompson, and I would say Wiseman's probably their fourth best player, not playing. Maybe there's, man, he's probably their fifth or sixth best player, but not playing. Two very key guys. Um, when when Klay Thompson gets healthy, you're going to have to see the Warriors as one of the favorites. In fact, I'm going to look up right now in real time while talking about this. I want to see what the current uh, odds are for the NBA title because it's very interesting. Okay, so futures, NBA finals, here we go. The current odds to win the NBA finals are the Nets are still the favorites, the Lakers are still third or second, and then the Warriors are third, and then the Bucks, and then the Jazz, the teams that I was mentioning. Um, the Lakers are going to have to get some cohesiveness going. Uh, it's very interesting to watch Russell Westbrook. He's a guy that, like, so many people don't like Russell Westbrook, and I just do. Uh, the guy plays so hard, and he's so talented, but then he can't get out of his own way. He's a horrible shooter who refuses to stop shooting, and he's a pretty poor decision maker, and that's something that should be easy to fix. Just make better choices. Just learn like, oh, I should not jump to pass, or oh, like that pass that I'm trying isn't working, or oh, I actually don't know how to dribble in that way that I try and end up you know, turning it over. <laughs> like, Just make better decisions, usually with passing, and if he could just do that, cut down on the terms, because yeah, he'll have some games where it's like triple-double, plus 25 in the box score, um, you know, 50% shooting. And then the next game, it's literally like 20% from the field, 10 turnovers, minus 24 in the box score. The guy is just wildly inconsistent, and it's always the same two problems. Bad at shooting, bad, at, bad decision maker. And it leads to turnovers, and it leads to poor field goal percentage, and it leads to a really bad plus-minus in the box score. So they got to figure that out. Uh, because they're going to need Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Russell Westbrook to be the superstars that they have been for the last decade. If they can do that and learn to do it in a team way, then to me, the Lakers are the favorites. I just don't know that I think they can do it. But then look right behind them. You have Warriors, Bucks, Jazz, Heat. Those are teams. Suns. Those are teams. The Heat are a deep team. They lack superstardom, as do the Jazz. Um, the Bucks do as well, with the exception of Giannis. But all these other teams have multiple superstars. Klay Thompson and Steph Curry. LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis. Uh, Kevin Durant, James Harden, maybe Kyrie Irving. All these other teams have multiple superstars. The Heat and the Jazz, they've got all-stars, right? You've got Jimmy Butler, and you've got um, Kyle Lowry, and you've got Bam Adebayo. You've got Tyler Hero. You've got Duncan Robinson. Like They are a deep, solid team, the Heat are. But I would say their best player is maybe the 15th best player in the league. I'm just kind of shooting from the hip with that number, 15th for Jimmy Butler. Um, definitely not top 10. I don't even know if he's 15th. It might be closer to like 18 to 20 range. Donovan Mitchell, slightly. I would put him slightly ahead of a Jimmy Butler. Um, Rudy Gobert, uh, I would put on par with, you know, maybe a Kyle Lowry or a Bam Adebayo. Um, but the Heat are really good. The Suns are really good, but they're teams. They're deep and they're cohesive teams. Everybody filling a role. Nobody super, you know, dominant. 
uh, from a superstar perspective. Devin Booker um, and Donovan Mitchell being the closest uh, on those three teams, the Suns, Heat, Jazz. So anyway, interesting to watch. And I'm going to, I'm going to say, um, <laughs> I mean, it's tough to say this, you know, as I'm looking at the the actual Vegas betting odds, I guess I would stick with Brooklyn. I just don't know. There's so many deep teams this year and I kind of love it because historically the NBA is the most predictable league, but this year, like, would you be surprised if the Suns won it? Cause I wouldn't, would you be surprised if the Jazz did? I wouldn't. Would you be surprised if the Bucks repeated? I wouldn't. Would you be surprised if the Lakers pulled it together and did it? I wouldn't. Um, would you be surprised if the Nets did? Nope. Like, there's so many teams you can say that about. The Heat's like, so many teams. And historically, it's like, no, it's Nets or Lakers, unless there's an injury, and then we'll see. And that's what happened last year, and then it was the Bucks, right, because of, because of injuries. Um, forever, it was Warriors, Cavs, Warriors, Cavs, Warriors, Cavs. We knew it over and over and over, and that's what it was over and over and over. Um, and so it's kind of nice that this year it's not like that. You could even see the Clippers, you know, come back because there's talk of uh, Kawhi Leonard actually coming back towards the end of the year if they're in a good position to make a run at the finals. Because um, the clock's ticking. A lot of these guys, the clock is ticking on these contracts. I mean, these these teams went out and paid humongous amounts of money, Clippers, Lakers, Nets in particular, to get these players. And it's got to be championship now. And what's crazy is that none of those teams won the title last year. So very, very fun NBA season is upon us. Um, you know, I don't get super into it until football season is over, but of course I love it. I follow it every day, but football is like king while football is on <laughs> and then basketball takes over. So loving the NFL, loving college football, very interested to see where BYU and Utah land. Huge game this, this week for the Utes in Salt Lake. Very not huge game for BYU against Georgia Southern. Um, I'm predicting that BYU gets a win and Utah does not, even though Utah is favored. Guys, that is all the time I have for today. Please hit that, hit that subscribe button. I will see you next time. I am out. Peace. Thanks for hanging with Simply the Best Sports Take. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and check out stbsportstake.com. Simply the best in sports. Because we are